All right, check, check. Can you talk a little bit? Yeah, uh, Sean Kemp is the best basketball player to ever live and uh, <laughs> the best of all time. Everything sound okay? Welcome to the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. Welcome back into another edition of the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Pace. Join with me by a new co-host this week. That's right, Jake Standifer of Kemp's crew, replacing Zach Henson as the co-host for this week six edition. Jake, thanks for joining, man. Hey, no problem, man. So, uh, Jake, this is uh, a replacement. This is actually the second bye week for Zach in, I think, like three or four weeks. Uh, the official bye week is for it's, – it's fall break in Putnam County, so a very valid excuse there. Um, but I think uh. there might be something extra going on. I think it probably it's, – it's probably best Zach didn't join tonight uh, because his Atlanta Braves – is it official? Is the game over right now? So um, I haven't followed that at all, but I was looking through Twitter and I saw Clay Travis basically just giving the Braves, uh, you know, there was like a total meltdown or something. So apparently we lost. So, okay. All right. I just looked it up. Uh, bad podcasting. But yeah, it's probably best Zach didn't join tonight. His Atlanta Braves lost 13 to 1 to the St. Louis Cardinals in Ooh. game five of the NLDS uh, just a little while ago and were officially eliminated from the MLB playoffs. Um, and so anyone who knows Zach knows that this is like his, uh, his Tennessee Vols for Chase Gaw or his Philadelphia Eagles for Jordan Iwanis. And I mean, this is his team. Oof, man, that's, uh, that's tough. The Braves in October, just typical stuff right there. But no love lost for Kemp's crew, the uh, arch rival of H&F for years and years. Yeah, no love. All right, so Jake, wanted to say thanks again for coming on, man. Um, this is our episode 122. It is the week five recap, week six preview episode. Uh, this was a huge week in the NFL this past week in ter- terms of points scored in fantasy football. Uh, so let's get right to it and do a trip around CMB. Let's take a trip around the league. Week five recap, Jake, we have to start every week. I know you're a, you're a big listener of the CMB podcast, correct? Oh, yeah. So you know we do our all-pro team. Yeah, um, all-pro team's kind of cool. But, uh, you know, it, I don't really find much value, value in it. But, you know, whatever. Well, I've tried to spice it up this year a little bit and, and put a little bit of context behind the numbers. And this week is insane because uh, the point total, it was just, it was just a massive week. Um, and I, I think I don't see anybody from Kent's crew on this list uh, because this list was mostly dominated by both the Wombats and strong side. So we'll start at the top, the quarterback of the week on the all pro team, Deshaun Watson of Tecmo power runners, 51 points. Um, it was just a massive week for that Texans offense. Watson was the only player, um, the only player with more points, um, in week five was his wide receiver, Will Fuller, the fifth, just a, a massive. Yeah, crazy. yeah. And, uh, last week, uh, week four, um, the week prior, he only had 13 points. So his point totals went from 36 to 14 to 32 to 13 to 51. So talk about the literal definition of up and down for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I think I mentioned that last week too. I mean, he really is like a roller coaster ride for fantasy football. And if you're on that ride, weeks you love it, other weeks you hate it. 
Uh, but a guy that has been hit, one of his favorite targets, or probably his favorite target besides uh, Hopkins throughout his career, has been Will Fuller the fifth. Who his touchdown rate, Will Fuller the fifth, is just insane. Um, he was actually so Will Fuller the fifth highest point scorer in week five, fifty three point seven points. And Jake, he was on West Coast Wombat's bench. Well, funny story. I was actually uh, in trade talks um, with WCW. Uh, I never got a response back Sunday morning, but it was for Fuller. Um, I saw something in Fuller. Uh, just everything that I read indicated mm-hmm. that he was going to go off. Um, I had him in my DFS lineups. Uh, he was the ultimate by low target, but now that window's passed. Well, and like the Texans got to play a terrible Atlanta secondary that allowed Mariota, Marcus Mariota, to throw three touchdowns to receivers. I mean, that just that never happens for the Titans. So you had to know that Houston was set up for a big week playing against that secondary, right? Yeah, and you, know, you and me both were at that uh, Falcons game. Absolutely. Um, so I don't want to talk about uh, yesteryear and. and uh, grander memories. I'm sure we'll talk about the Titans at some point, but uh, the flex spot for WCW was used on LaShawn McCoy, who put up just 2.3 points. So if they had started Will Fuller the fifth instead of LaShawn McCoy, the point differential would have been 51.4 points, which means they would have won their matchup by 8.75. Instead, they move to one and four, and Jordan Iwanis and gets the win and moves to two and three. Jake, are you familiar with like Scott Van Pelt and ESPN, the, the bad beat segment? Yes. That is a bad beat for West Coast Wombats. That's terrible. Uh, you know, I don't know if they were, you know, mulling over the thought of starting Fuller over McCoy. I don't know. Um, I think Zach kind of alluded to it last week is, you know, when you're really struggling to make a decision on who to start, uh, you, that's just not a good place to be. And, you know, if, if they were, in fact, you know, thinking about starting him, um, that's probably the worst beat. Oh, possible. Absolutely. The second wide receiver in the All-Pro team was Michael Thomas, the Saints receiver for the East Coast Wombats, 41.2 points. Your top running back was Aaron Jones, Green Bay's running back on strong side, 49.2 points for Aaron Jones, who just had that monster game uh, against the Cowboys. Aaron Jones, huge week for strong side. Uh, the highest point total in CMB for week five went to strong side, and it was the highest total for a team so far in any matchup this season all despite Wayne Gallman putting up just 1.4 points before his concussion and Jamison Crowder putting up just 4.25 points, and they still had a huge week. Yeah, I had that, I had that noted down. Um, you know, strong side had Matt Ryan, Amari Cooper, Aaron Jones, and San Francisco defense, who just – all of them just went off. Your, uh, your second running back this week uh, on the All-Pro team was Christian McCaffrey with H&F, 47.7 points. McCaffrey is the number one running back in CMB with 160.85 points through five weeks. Do you know who number two is, Jake? Number two running back, um, Eckler? It is Austin Eckler with 129.30 points. So McCaffrey is far and away the best running back right now. He is 30 points higher than the second-place running back. So let me ask, is Christian McCaffrey, with pun intended, running away – with the MVP through five weeks in the NFL? No question. Um, that, that guy is just on another level. 
Yeah, and it, like if you if you define MVP, most valuable player, he, there 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 isn't another player in football right now who means more to his team than McCaffrey does to the Panthers. I mean, their offense without him. I mean, they have some skill make skill players and and playmakers at receiver and, and Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, but um, you know a Cam Newtonless offense, and they're still able to do this. Like you know, defenses are just crowding the box and stacking up against Carolina, and he's still making plays. It's really impressive what McCaffrey's doing. Oh, I, I absolutely. You know, I thought that when Cam Newton went down, um, I, I knew McCaffrey was still going to be a stud, but he's actually like up his play with less quarterback play. It's it's unreal. Your top tight end for week five was George Kittle. Finally, uh, for pacing your face, uh, the San Francisco tight end finally put up some numbers, just 20.8 points. It was the first week that Kittle finished in the top six tight ends despite me drafting him as the second tight end uh, in the uh, third round in our draft. So not a, not a great ROI so far for taking him in the third round, but hopefully he'll turn it around with, with San Francisco. Have you been impressed with their 4-0 start so far? Yeah, um, just, just I think Kyle Shanahan is one of the best coaches in the league. Um, you know, last year I think they were on the wrong side of variance. They lost, I think, six games um, by single-digit points. Uh, they, I think they, they could have had, you know, probably five or six more wins. Um, you know, Warren Sharp was all over them uh, in preseason. So it's not really a surprise, but it, they're a really fun team to watch. Your flex player for week five was Amari Cooper, also for strong side, 39.6 points. And Cooper had a, had a big day, even in a loss. He had that, that touchdown in garbage time against the Packers. But uh, here are some notable mentions for that flex spot. So DJ Chark, the Jacksonville star breakout receiver for this year, uh, he's on Tecmo Power Runners. He had 36.4 points. And then Adam Thielen of Isaiah 4031, a guy who, you know, complained about his role after week four and his production – and Kirk Cousins gave him the ball. He had 33.25 points. And then Chris Godwin, Dragon Energy, 31.5 points, which makes three out of five weeks that Godwin has finished in the top six points for wide receivers in our league. Um, I know that's a lot of numbers to throw around, but right now through five weeks, Godwin has 121.35 points on the season. He's the number one wide receiver in all of CMB. Uh, Jake, do you know who number two is? Um, let's see. Um, I'm going to go, is it not shark? No, it is. Uh, it is Michael Thomas, another NFC South receiver, but I've, I've been really impressed with Godwin. I mean, is this what you imagine? I mean, when people talk about Tampa Bay's offense, it starts and ends with Mike Evans. And I don't think people saw Godwin having this big of a role. I know he was a, a you know, a darling in, in the preseason and people talked about him being a great number two, but no one saw him as the number one receiver through five weeks. Right. Well, you know, you and me both listen to Silva quite a bit. He was all over Godwin. Um, they basically interviewed him, uh, Godwin in preseason and were asking about him being number two to uh, Mike Evans. And he was like, uh, no, no, not at all. So Godwin, it's kind of considered the number one on that team and has been, but you know, Mike Evans just gets all the love, but it's actually the Godwin show there. All right. Your kicker for week 16 was Dan Bay, or excuse me, of week uh, five was Dan Bailey with 16 points. I should say Minnesota's kicker who is actually a free agent. So go get him. Uh, Justin Tucker and notable mention for Tecmo also had 16 points in week five. 
your top defense special teams, this was a huge week, was the Philadelphia defense special teams for Isaiah 40-31, 42 points. They had 10 sacks, two picks, a full recovery, two touchdowns, and gave up just six points to the uh, New York Jets uh, offense. And it was the second most uh, defense or special teams point total since the Patriots scored 45 in week two against Miami. So basically, if you're playing any team in the AFC North, or excuse me, the AFC East uh, right now, and you have that DST, go ahead and start them. So Philadelphia came into that matchup with only three sacks. Uh, they ended up with 10 versus the Jets. The point totals were five the week one, then nine, then four, then seven, then 42. Uh, the point variation between uh, defense special teams from week to week is absolutely insane. Absolutely. And then I know we talked about point uh, variance, and, and you just mentioned that with, with defense special teams. IDPs even more so. The top, the five of the uh, IDPs on this all-pro team, all five were free agents during week five. They weren't even on an active roster in CMB. So Orlando Skandrick, the Philadelphia corner, who is still a free agent, 24.5 points. Uh, Dante Hightower, the linebacker for um, the Patriots, 18.5 points, also if still a free agent. Nick Bosa, the rookie uh, edge rusher from uh, San Francisco, who is also a free agent right now, 18 points. And on your top DBs were Kevin King, the Green Bay corner, you know, again, still a free agent, 17.5 points. And then Eric Reed, Carolina's safety that I picked up this week, 15 points. And Eric Reed, this is a classic fantasy football uh, move here because he is generally right now been graded by Pro Football Focus as a really bad safety. Like through their metrics, one of the worst safeties so far through football, I mean through five weeks. Uh, but that's just, you know, for fantasy, he's put up some big numbers. So he's worth an ad there. It's, again, it's just that variance we talk about of, of fantasy versus real-life football. Yeah, you know, going down through that list of uh, defensive players, I did see that A.J. Johnson uh, was actually the fourth highest scoring IDP. So it's really good just to see him, you know, being a UT fan, um, you know, and coming back from all that he went through. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, seeing him up there, uh, I actually might give him an ad, who knows. Well, and he, he's actually helping with the pass rush too because for the first four weeks – Denver didn't have a single sack, which is just an incredible stat given that they have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. And so I, I think they're finally finding their, their defense with Vic Fangio, who is a defensive mind and, and coached the Bears defense last year. So uh, fortunately and unfortunately for the Titans, it looks like Denver's defense is, is ramping up, but uh, they play them in week six. So the point total for the all pro team in week five was 454.7 points. That is 64 points up from last week is the highest total all season by 31 points. So uh, it'd be rare if, if we see a point total that high again, but uh, pretty good stuff from the All-Pro team this week. Yeah, great. All right, let's move on here, and let's talk about the standings and how that All-Pro team affected the standings in week uh, five. ECW, the East Coast Wombats, they moved from second to first place after their commanding 47-point win over Dragon Energy in week five. ECW, had uh, they have the most points for by 12 points. So they earned their first place finish or their first place uh, standing right now. Um, second place in points four is strong side, but they're in seventh place. So again, there's that variance you like to talk about. Another note here is ID, IDP still suck. They move into second place from third place. 
Uh, they are on a three-game winning streak and are in second place despite having the second lowest points for, or points against, rather. So they've had some easy matchups. They've, they've played, uh, again, second lowest points against, some easy matchups each week. That kind of luck has to run out. I mean, we talked about H&F and, and Jeff in, in the past having easy matchups. And it looks like Jay and, and Jay have gotten that luck as well. Uh, and then right now in last place, the Allman brothers move into last after losing to you, Kemp's crew, in week five. The Allman brothers have the lowest points for by 11 points, so uh, it looks like they've earned their standing, which falls accurately to the next lowest team, West Coast Wombats. So the the second lowest and the lowest in points for are, are right there in, in last place and second to last place. Uh, the West Coast Wombats, they've actually had the most points against by about seven points. So some really rough matchups for West Coast Wombats every single week, it seems like. So I don't know if, you, if you've noticed that with, with West Coast Wombats. I know we pick on them a lot on the show, but you can't argue that their, their points for has been kind of brutal. Yeah, you know, if they had been up there, I guess, in the top five or top six in points for, you know, you can make an argument that, you know, that's just kind of tough luck, but I was kind of down on their team from the get-go, and I just I don't see that there's any way up for WCW. All right, so and then you know the trend continues. I talk about this each week for the Almond Brothers. They have still yet to spend a single fab dollar. Um, they are the only team that still has a hundred dollars remaining in their budget, and they have the fewest moves in all of the league. They've only made two moves. I guess that's total transactions, add drops. They've only made two moves all season. Yeah, these guys need to get with it. Yeah, so do you see anything? Are you, are you looking at the standings right now, Jake? Is there anything you see there that, that's worth a note or mention? Uh, let's see. You know, it, you know, like you said, strong side, um, you know, just being second in points four. That's, that's, that's really big. And to be two and three, um, I would have to think that they're definitely going to end up being in the playoff contention. Um, I don't think that they have anything to worry about. But um, I, I do think that WCW is going to take home the ice bucket. I, I think they're ice bucket all the way. Um, Dragon Energy, I thought, was probably one of the strongest teams coming out of the draft. I think at one point I even texted you that, you know, Ryan's is the team to beat, and I, I couldn't have been more wrong on that one. But I think that was largely in part to uh, the Tampa Bay uh, two-week rough start because he has three Tampa Bay bucks, and the first two weeks were pretty dreadful. Um, he had Antonio Brown. I, I think that he, he's probably just cursed since he, you know, took him on his team. Um, and I did see that H&F just actually picked up Antonio Brown, so they're doomed. Right. And, and two, you mentioned so Rich, uh, or Rich traded for Antonio Brown, and he trades away who is a top five IDP right now in Luke Keekley. So that's a, that's, I don't want to call that a bad beat, but that's just, that's tough for Rish who thought he was getting a diamond in the rough and a guy that everyone was wanting to, to kick around in an AB and then AB ends up, his fate is what everyone thought would happen. He's out of the league and Rish gives up a top IDP. So that's, that's brutal for him. So moving on, let's look at the Pick'em Challenge standings. Jeff Gaw remains in first place by two points with Chase Gaw close behind. And then Jake, you and Matt Suggs are tied in a close third place at 19 points. Jake, let me ask you, does winning the first selection of next year's draft choice, does that carry any or much weight or value to you at all, or is this just kind of something fun to do in the season? I think it carries some value. I was against the idea of using the pick'em to get that. Uh, I still think that just drawing from a hat's the best way to do it. Uh, I did miss the very first week, so I kind of started uh, from behind, but I'm, I'm making my way up there. So anything I can do to get an advantage in the draft, I'll, I'll do it. 
All right, looking back one more time at week five, Zach and I, or actually just I, made some uh, locks and bull predictions. Zach, uh, going back and listening to that episode, that's kind of how I go back and review what our locks and bull predictions were. So hopefully you have some ready for this week. But Zach did not make any. So uh, I locked the Almond Brothers in week five and took a big L there. They, they lose in week five. Um, and then my bold prediction was that Julio Jones would be on the week five all-pro team that was a huge L for me and a bold prediction because he was the wide receiver 55 last week, put up just seven points. I mean, Julio Jones, that's two weeks in a row that he's had under, I think under eight total fantasy points. What, uh, what's, what's going on with Julio? Is it just Atlanta's a dumpster fire? Man, I, I have always maintained this thought. Uh, I don't, it's not based on anything other than just my observation, but when players sign these massive contracts, I feel like their play just, you know, goes down considerably. And I don't know if he's just trying to preserve himself, if he sees the Falcons as really going nowhere and there's really no reason to, you know, beast it up on every play. Um, you know, sometimes I think that the money just kills these guys. Uh, you know, I think it, they did that with Chris Johnson, Hainsworth, um, just a whole bunch of examples that you can um, see. I noticed how you conveniently didn't mention Antonio Brown. Yeah, you, yeah, you throw that much at him and – you know, he even had that much with the Patriots, and he's still just, you know, uh, just unreal. Yeah, and what's crazy about AB, too, is that all the money he got in that big deal with uh, Oakland, he didn't really see any of that. I think he ended up making, what, like under $3 million total in, in throughout all this? I think it was like only 100000 or something. It was something crazy. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't even think it was in the million. One of the more bizarre things we've ever seen, this whole A-B saga, but uh, let's move on. Uh, week six preview. So we talked about uh, some of the, you know, Zach and, and Brian adding Antonio Brown. A fab recap of week six. It was a small week. And let's recap with our Show Me the Money segment. Show me the money! Mark Walton, the Miami running back, goes to your worst nightmare for five bucks. Uh, Tecmo bids $0, so your worst nightmare, continuing to spend money at the fewest fab dollars remaining. What have you made so far of Kevin's fab strategy? I don't understand it. Maybe he, you know, has taken some of that strategy from last year where he spent all that money on Philip Lindsay and it ended up working out. Um, he's made some questionable purchases, but, you know, to each his own. Would you, would you spend $5 on any piece or portion of Miami's offense in fantasy? So, uh, yeah, I was, I was looking through the, uh, the transaction trends and I came across Mark Walton. And I, first, first of all, I go, who? Uh, so then I see Miami running back and I go, okay, so I guess Kalen Balazs or somebody's hurt or he's not playing well. So I, I can't imagine that you'd be scraping the bottom of the barrel and spend $5 for the third best running back on the worst team in the NFL. All right, so the next one here was – this was one of the bigger uh, fab purchases all year. This is Gerald Everett, the Rams tight end, goes to H&F for $36. For some reason, that just feels uncharacteristic to me for H&F, but maybe I'm off uh, base there. But uh, Big Orange Bullies, the next highest bidder at $25. So H&F spends $11 more than they needed to, but uh, they got the guy they wanted. Kemp's crew, JQ bid 21, West Coast with 15, Tecmo 6, then East Coast, they thought they were going to get Gerald Everett for free. They bid $0. So what did you make of H&F spending $36 on a tight end and a pretty crowded offense? So uh, yesterday I was doing some traveling. Um, so I'm, I'm in Delaware at the moment. And while I was at the airport, I was going through and making my fab budget. 
And I came across Gerald Everett, and I was really surprised that he was even on the waiver wire. I know that Jeff picked him up and dropped him. Um, I really, you know, I, I know he's kicking himself for that. Um, so I, I was definitely going to try to pick up Everett because I had Waller on a bye week. And so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, how much, how much is Jeff going to put in? Because I know Jeff needs a tight end. His tight ends are terrible. He picked up that O'Shaughnessy guy from uh, Jacksonville and he got hurt or something. So I know for a fact that Jeff's looking for a tight end. And I was just thinking, how much is he going to bid? And I, Jeff is not a big fast spender at all. So I thought that he would probably bid like 18 or 19 bucks and then I'd come in with 21 and then I'd scoop him up. And then out of nowhere, here comes H&F spending $36. I guess they didn't have a lot of confidence in Greg Olson. So they want him. They got him. Uh, I think he's a back-end tight end one. I think it's a solid spin, but H&F can't really do much um, with the rest of the year. They've only got 23 bucks left. That's the worst number in the world. Well, I was going to say, so h and oh, nice. I was going to say H&F, they, like you mentioned Greg Olson, he's been kind of a disappointment. I mean, he had strong weeks in week two and three, 17 and 25 and a half points, uh, but he's put up seven, two, and zero point weeks. Um, Greg Olson also goes on by in week seven. So I can see Gerald Everett now as, as their new guy moving forward. But do you see them, you know, H&F, they love making trades. Do you see them trading or trying to trade Everett back to Jeff Gaw? Absolutely. Absolutely. If, if Gerald Everett is not on Tecmo's team within the next two weeks, um, then it's because of this podcast, because we called it. <laughs> that there is, Gerald Everett is 100% trade bait, you know, buyer beware. And I do notice they, so they still have Jordan Reed sitting in their injury spot. Is that just kind of like a, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like a DYB defender boy. They, they hold on to Jordan Reed. There's history there with H and F. They can't move on from Jordan Reed. Uh, what's the, what's the love affair with H and F and Jordan Reed? You know, I, I don't know. I think, I think just from a practical standpoint, there's the expectation that he's actually going to be back in maybe a couple of weeks. So, you know, I guess, if you're going to have a RR spot, at least use it on some guy that might come back. Um, I don't know if there's any pride or any, oh, we love Jordan Reed in it. I, I just think it's just a more practical matter that he actually might come back and play. All right. You, we mentioned the, uh, or we tried to call our shot on the H&F trade. So looking at the one trade that took place last week, it was a trade between you and I. So Kemp's crew trades Daryl Williams, the Kansas City third running back, I should mention, two pace in your face for Duke Johnson. And what did I text you, Jake, immediately after the trade, or maybe like a couple hours later, what did I say in regards to the trade we made Sunday morning before kickoff? Was it something like, I don't know why I did that? Yeah, it's like every move in fantasy. I don't know what I just did. And I'm still kind of like scratching my head because you look at production for Duke Johnson – and, you know, he's just not getting the, the carries. He's not getting the touches right now. But when he's touched the ball, his average yards per carry, is his, his average yards after contact, I mean, he's leading a lot of those metrics around the league, but he's just not getting the volume. It's like, it's like Bill O'Brien hates him in the same way Hugh Jackson hated uh, Duke Johnson. So I, I don't know what to make of this. I just, I just know give it two weeks and Bill O'Brien's going to be talking about at some press conference Duke Johnson having a big role. Is that what you expected when you, when you made that trade? No, uh, not really. I don't really expect much out of Duke. It was just, I know that Williams was more valuable on your team or WCW because they had McCoy. So I was going to, I was going to dish him regardless. Uh, it was going to be you or WCW. And I was just trying to get whatever I could get for him. And 
you know, Duke Johnson isn't really like a starter. Um, I might start him in a flex or something like that, but he just really hasn't produced. And so I just think that it was kind of a fair trade because I was giving you the insurance and I was at least getting something in return. You know, everybody talks about Jeff and Rob Gaw, the winners of last year's league, being the the uh, the charitable team after they gave up their uh, jersey of choice to charity. And it sounds like you might be uh, a pretty charitable guy as well, giving me uh, Daryl Williams basically uh, an act of charity. So I appreciate it. Well, I will say that if, if for some reason I actually do win this league, um, I'm going to take that jersey <laughs> because that will be my first one. So I, I can't be charitable then, but. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I said it on the podcast. You know, I, I I feel the same way, Jake. If I win somehow, I'll probably do what you do as well. And maybe if I win a second, third, and fourth time like Jeff, I might be just as charitable. I mean, all kidding aside, it was a great act of what they did. Everyone clapped. It was it was a nice gesture. Uh, but, man, when you are a loser and you're in the dumps like you and I have been over the years, man, you got to take the earnings when you get them. Yep, right on. All right, let's move on. This is why everyone listens to this podcast, I'm pretty sure. And let's do our Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week for Week 6, Jake. And let's start with the the matchup, including uh, my previous co-host, or my typical co-host, Zach, who's not here, H&F Industries, uh, who are in fifth place, squaring off with Isaiah 4031 in eighth place. Zach and I, we like to try and pick uh, different teams each week in each matchup to try and, and, and talk about the other matchup here but um, Jake feel free to, to talk about this this matchup in any way you want don't feel like you're pigeonholed to pick a side who do you have in this matchup between Zach and Brian and Jordan so I have H&F um, I really have some concerns with um, Isaiah 4031's um, matchup so they got Sammy Watkins um, he's hurt uh, they got Gio Bernard as their RB2. They have Corey Davis, the invisible Corey Davis, uh, as his flex. And then they got Carson Wentz going up against the Vikings. So um, I really wasn't high on Jordan's team, you know, anyways, coming into this week. And, you know, you compound that with some bad matchups. Um, I think H&F wins this pretty easy. Yeah, and I'd like to try and pick Jordan here, but I'm going to go with H&F as well. And, and for some of the same reasons you mentioned, so Sammy Watkins didn't practice today, Wednesday, uh, October 9th. So Watkins probably not going to play in week six, not to mention Tyree Kill has practiced all week and is likely to return from injury for Tecmo. So Tyree Kill probably back, which is really undervalues Sammy Watkins. Adam Thielen saw an increased role this past week. Who knows if that is a trend we can trust. Uh, and then you mentioned Corey Davis. The guy gets a lot of uh, – he's kind of he, – he's a lot like more – I mean, he's like a lot of the Titans. Like, people just don't know week to week what you're going to get. With Davis, though, he's kind of been consistent this year, consistently bad for fantasy. Zero points in week one, six, seven. He had a – what everyone calls a big week in week four, but it was 20 points. I mean, if that's his big week, that's not somebody you want as your wide receiver two like he is for Jordan – and then four points last week against the Bills. So, I, you know, it's hard to trust Corey Davis or anybody on the Titans. Uh, and then Giovanni Bernard starting him as your RB2, uh, that's pretty rough as well. So I'm going to go with H&F. All right, next matchup here, Jake. This is IDP still suck in second place versus Big Orange Bullies, Chase and Carver in 11th place. Who do you have in this matchup in, in week six? So I'm going to have to give the edge here to IDPs. Um, 
really just because of matchups. Um, they're going to have Brady tomorrow night going up against the lowly Giants. Um, I think D-Hop is in a good position. To, you know, he kind of bounced back. I know he's kind of underperformed, but he's going up against the Chiefs. Uh, Cooper Cup, who is just absolutely balling out. And Austin Hooper, who's really turning into a uh, not really elite tight end one, but he's right there, right in the middle of that tight end one mix. Um, so I'm just going to have to give the edge to them. What are you expecting in this uh, Texans-Kansas City Chiefs matchup, Jake? I mean, is this – do you expect a, you know, Rams-Chiefs point total from last year? I mean, I just see Watson and Mahomes being kind of the uh, the gunslinger matchup of the century right here. Yeah, I don't know what the over-under is on that, but um, I, I would take the over, and I don't even have to see it. Right. Uh, so for this matchup, you know, again, this is something that I, I would really like to pick big orange bullies here. I like Vance McDonald, um, who's getting kind of a more of an increased role. Uh, that's at least based on projections. But, I mean, look at the quarterback situation in, in Pittsburgh. Not something you want to be a part of. Jarvis Landry, a pretty big disappointment, I would say, through five weeks. Uh, he's had a couple of, of double-digit point weeks, but um, not somebody you can trust long-term. So I'm going to go with IDP still suck as well. I expect Tom Brady to have a, another huge week. I mean, he had five points against the Bills, and he comes out and throws 42 passes and gathers 30 points. So uh, the Giants' defense has been, you know, really bad um, through six weeks or through five weeks. Daniel Jones on offense has, has been a fun their, – their offense is more fun than it's been in years with Eli gone, but that defense is just garbage right now. So huge week for Tom Brady, and I think a big win for IDP still suck, who will probably stay in second place. And, yeah, and also Chase as uh, as David Johnson, uh, you know, questionable. So you know that just further goes against the point that IDPs is going to win this. Right. Moving on, Dragon Energy in twelfth place up against Gregco in sixth. And you know, you talked earlier about how you really liked Dragon Energy's draft, and maybe you uh, misfired on that projection coming out of the draft. What do you do? You see anything you like from from Rish in, in week six against Greg? Are you going to pick him this week? Yeah, I sure am. Um, I know that coming out of the gate, uh, Dragon Energy was kind of slow. Um, you know, I'm going to look at the matchups this week. I think Zeke really gets it right versus the Jets. Um, he could absolutely just go off. Uh, Edelman should play tomorrow. Uh, if he does, he's just going to gobble up a lot of targets um, with all the injuries that they have. And, um, you know, like you said, Godwin, I think, was the number two receiver in our league. Yes. No, number one. Godwin's yeah, number so one. Number one, actual number one. Um, really, the only guy for Greg that I like is Kerryon Johnson going up against the Packers. Um, they just cannot stop the run. They can definitely stop the pass, but they cannot stop the run. So I want to go with that, Richard. I'm going to go with Greg in this matchup, and and for the, some of the reasons you just mentioned. So Kerryon Johnson, a guy that I I really liked last year. I got him really late, and I ended up kind of. I turned Carryon Johnson into George Kittle last season in a, in a trade with Jay and Jacob that they really don't like to talk about. But Carryon uh, Johnson's got an increased role so far. So uh, from weeks two through four, his carries went from 12, 20 to 26. And the last week the, the Lions had before their week five by Carryon Johnson had 26 carries for 125 yards. Uh, didn't find the end zone on the ground, but he, he's, he's catching the ball. I mean, it all depends on what their offense decided to do through their bye. So coming out of off the bye week, I'd like to see Carryon Johnson have a big role. 
You mentioned the Packers defense. They're giving up the third most fantasy points to running back. So this could be a big week for on Johnson. And then Matt Breida, the other running back for Greg, he's kind of a feast or famine guy. And last week he feasted 27 points in that big win against the Browns. I'm not sure he'll be able to do that again this week, but who knows? I mean, he's, he's a guy that I, I think two, three weeks ago, you did not want as your RB2, but it's a solid play there this week. And, um, you know, Jameis Winston right now, I know Rish has Jameis Winston and Chris Godwin. Winston can go off any week. We've seen 40-point weeks for Chris Godwin and for uh, Mike Evans in the last two weeks. So it's kind of like which, which receiver in Tampa Bay is it going to be this week? And so I'm just – there's no basis here, but I'm just going to project that it's Mike Evans who has the big week, and I'm going to give Greg the win in this week. All right, next matchup here. This is East Coast Wombats, your first-place team through week five against your worst nightmare, Kevin, who is in 10th. Kevin has Patrick Mahomes. He's been riding him since last year. Loves Mahomes in that offense. He is starting Mike – Mike or is it Mark? I don't even know. One of the uh, – Mark Walton uh, for Miami – and Carlos Hyde, uh, who is a part of a Houston Texans offense that has not valued running backs since probably the days of Arian Foster. So just on that alone, I'm going to give this one to East Coast, and it's, it's hard to not pick them. Yeah, um, I, I'm just looking at, at Kevin's roster here. Golden Tate is coming back from suspension with a, a new quarterback. I don't, you know, I, He's not going to come out of the gate hot, I can imagine. Carlos High, Walton, uh, he's got Kelsey, who's, who's been good, but not great. And then this Pringle guy <laughs> for Kansas City. It's, it's kind of like a makeshift team almost. Um, going up against ECW, who is averaging almost 200 points, uh, largely because of the Patriots defense, who, uh, you know, just they, I think you said on last week's podcast that they were up to 107 points, and the nearest was the Titans or something at. 60. So there's there's like a 40 point delta between the Pats defense and then the next highest. So you know their their weeks are definitely skewed because of the Patriots defense. But you know fantasy football is all about points, and that's all that matters. So ECW all the way. Yeah, I don't even want to pick them as my lock because to me this feels like it's almost too easy to pick them. Um, but do you have maybe like a bold prediction for this matchup? Or are you saving it for something? There is no bold prediction for this one. All right. Moving on, the next matchup here. This is Strong Side in seventh place versus Tecmo Power Runners in third. Probably the closest matchup based on projections and just based on these teams and, and where they stand this season. Uh, who do you have in, in this one, Jake? Well, okay, I, I think this one might be more my, my bold prediction, and I don't really know how bold it is, but I will say that um, looking at their projections now, you got 172 for strong side, 162 for Tecmo. I think they both go well over. Um, I, I think that both of them could be flirting with 200 points, and it could be kind of your um, Chiefs-Texans matchup. You know, it's just going to be a shootout. But I'm going to go with uh, Tecmo on this one just because I feel like Tecmo, they, they've really just had kind of like this lucky schedule. Um, but, you, know, I, you know, they've had a good team. They've had some really low weeks. Uh, they had, I think, two really spiked weeks, last week being one of them. Um, I'm just going to ride that wave. And, you know, I'm just going to say that Tecmo is going to win. All right, I'm going to go strong side. And I, I don't want to pick them because they are starting Jamison Crowder still, who has had eight, four, and four-point weeks 
in the last four weeks. I know there was a bye there for the Jets, but even with Sam Darnold coming back this week, that is nothing for Jameson Crowder because Chris Herndon, the breakout tight end, um, who is, is projected to have a big role, I think he sprained his knee today, right? Yeah, I think it was his hamstring or something. Hamstring. Yeah, yeah. So something's up with, with Chris Herndon, who might not play this Sunday, but plays or doesn't play. I think that hurts Jamison Crowder's role. I, I just don't – I don't see any chemistry with Darnold. Uh, so who knows what, what Crowder can do. But I, I just don't – I don't like him starting for, for strong side. Um, but you got to like – uh, Matt Ryan against Arizona. Matt Ryan had a 38-point week against the Texans last week, which is surprising because Julio Jones had like, what did I say, like five points, four points. Uh, but Matt Ryan's continuing to throw the ball. Uh, here are his attempts through this season, 46, 43, 34, 53 against the Titans, and then 46 last week. So Matt Ryan, that, that often still lives and dies by its quarterback and they're playing the Arizona defense, who's given up the second most points to fantasy quarterbacks this year. I just, I don't know. I expect him to have another big week. Man, I don't really want to pick strong side now. They're starting Christian Kirk, who is a limited participant all week. I don't, you know, Jake. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I got to give it to, I just got to give it to Taylor. I mean, they got Watson, Shark, Hill, Cook. Um, you know, those are, those are four really good starts. The only weak plays that Tecmo has is their RB2 Armstead, who is kind of like, I want to say, he's sort of a goal line back only uh, in Jacksonville. And then uh, Hayden Hurst, who is the tight end two in Baltimore and has had seven, seven, three, five, seven point weeks. So uh, this one's tough, man. I, I'm going to give the nod a strong side just because I've already kind of given them the nod and I don't want to move on from that, but it's, I'm not confident about it at all. So why don't so why don't we say that uh, I, I kind of noted that I think the edge is going to be with the IDPs. I think they both have really good IDPs, but strong side they got uh, you know Deion Jones, Keekley Barrett, uh, John Johnson. I mean they got some elite IDPs. You know I, to make your case, I would say it's probably just going to come down to IDPs. Yeah, and I never like to make it come down to that. So, again, shaky matchup. But we'll move on to my matchup, which I don't feel that shaky about, even though the projections seem close. I'm in ninth place, and I square off against the Allman brothers. Jake, you played them last week. What should I expect in a matchup with James and Blake? And who are you picking in this one? Yeah, I would expect a pretty low-scoring affair on the Allman brothers' side. Last week, they put up 105 points, so they were the 14th. Highest scoring team followed by me, the 13th high scoring team, and I ended up winning by 25 points. Um, that 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 I just got super lucky there. Let's see. I think that their their average is probably 140, 150, if I had to say. Um, they're very inconsistent with their scoring. Uh, they got Baker Mayfield, who's really struggling. Julio is kind of struggling. Um, I like your matchup versus. Uh, I got. You know, Murray going against the Falcons. Eckler is still still doing his thing. And then you got Kittle. Um, so I had you win in this one uh, fairly handily. I'm going to pick myself as well. And, I, you know, we, we've talked about Tyree Kill coming back in week six for the Chiefs. Another guy who came back last week in sort of a limited role was Damian Williams. And, you know, this might be blind optimism. But if Tyree Kill is back, that really just opens up things for the backfield in Kansas City and Obviously, I hope that it's not split the way it has been split in the past with McCoy. 
But I, you know, I could see Damian Williams having another, having a breakout performance. Devontae Adams, if he returns this week, which I'm confident he will, I think I, that, that helps me get the win. Um, last matchup, Jake. This is Kemp's crew in fourth place versus West Coast Wombats in 13th. Jake, we've talked about West Coast Wombats roster ad nauseum at this point. I'm assuming you're picking yourself. Why does Kemp's crew get the win in week six? Well, I, I'm just, I'm really just doing this based on past history. So we've got five weeks of sample sizes that we can, you know, use to help make our decisions and help to project how people are going to do. WCW is basically averaging uh, 152 a week. I'm averaging 170. So I have, I've had two down, two down weeks this year. One of them was, or last one was really down. Um, I just think that just based on the averages, uh, I'm just going to come out ahead. Um, yeah, I'm not, not really looking into matchups on this one. I'm just looking at team points. And I think that I clearly have the edge here. I think you have the edge as well in so many areas. Like, you know, West Coast Wombats has been starting Tyler Eifert as their tight end this entire season. And he's put up seven, 11, two, four, and three point weeks. I said it on last week's podcast that they, they've got to just cut bait with this guy. I mean, Eifert has no fantasy value at this point. They're continuing to roll him out there. Uh, you guys, uh, you know, Kim's crew, you're starting Jordan Aikens uh, in, a, in a spot with Darren Waller being on by. And Aikens, we've talked about the Texans-Chiefs matchup being a shootout potentially. You're going to want to have Aikens in week uh, six. Yeah, so I actually picked up uh, Aikens and uh, whoever that other guy was, um, the other tight end. I picked them both up just because I might flip-flop between the two um, for that one o'clock kick. Yeah, so I I picked them both up, and I'm going to play one of them and just, you know, hope for a lottery ticket. All right, what the heck? I'm going to pick West Coast Wombats in this matchup. And it's it's my bold prediction because the the what we just mentioned, it's a bold prediction to pick them, obviously. Uh, but, you know, the only way this works, and bold prediction here, is if Derrick Henry has over 100 rushing yards and at least two touchdowns. So that's a bold prediction against uh, Denver's defense. They've not been a great run defense. But 100 yards for Henry, he's only done it once this season, rushing yards. I think he has two touchdowns, 100 yards. The Titans try and, and win it on the ground. And I think West Coast Wombats can find a win in week six. Uh, and I just like to do this whenever I have a co-host on. All right. I've been accused of pandering in the past, so I, I'd like to just pick against you. Yeah, there goes that. All right, Jake, any bold predictions or like a lock of the week for any of these matchups for you? Well, my bold prediction is that the uh, the techno strong side is going to be your the matchup to watch. Um, it's going to be a shootout. They're both going to get over two hundred points. Tweet of the week. All right, we haven't done this in a while, Jake, and I know you listen to this show, but we we used to do a tweet of the week every week, and sometimes there's just like if it's not worth mentioning i just don't mention it anymore it's kind of boring if we just pick something just to pick it we haven't had a tweet of the week in a while and zach actually sent you and i this tweet uh, a couple hours before this podcast and we just could not mention it so uh, the guy we've talked about all along antonio brown at ab84 tweeted five hours ago so i guess around uh, like 4 p.m central time on wednesday said rt retweet if your fantasy team miss me and he had 15,000 retweets as of, uh, you know, almost 9 p.m. Central Time. 
and someone named Ned's feed. So this guy named Ned replies to Antonio Brown and says, I know OJ does, but wouldn't be the first time he cut Brown. Yeah, just, just total fire. Just a gold tweet. Again, that was our tweet of the week. It's been a while. And Jake, it's been a while. I think we this is the first time we've had you. It hasn't been that long, actually. It's been a couple of weeks since we did our, our post-draft recap. But um, Jake, really appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Anytime. I wanted to definitely keep this weekly thing going. Um, I didn't want it to fall through the cracks, so I stepped up and uh, took Zach's place. Yeah, appreciate it. Again, uh, we might want to do something here in the next couple of weeks. And, and Jake, you have commentary. And not just like unbridled commentary or commentary that's based on nothing, but a lot of this stuff is, you know, you listen to the same people I listen to, the Warren Sharp and the Evan Silva and the Adam Levitans of the world. So uh, I know you bring numbers and analytics to the table and, and a, a different perspective, if you will. So Zach and I would love to have you back on in a couple of weeks if you want to just give kind of a state of CMB of, of current standings who's got a chance who doesn't have a, a, a chance at all uh is that something you'd be interested in absolutely all right maybe we will see jake here in the next two weeks or so hopefully we'll see zach back in week seven to do a recap and preview of the following weeks and we'll try and have on some more guests from cmb on this podcast but again uh for jake sander from jordan pace thanks for joining Peyton back door lock Jam Fest, baby, and we love it! We love it!